You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include two migrant buses arrive in Chicago, Mikhail Gorbachev is dead at the age of 91, and President Biden made a pre-midterm speech in Philly. Here's your national news recap for the week of August 28th. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is furious at the governor of Texas for sending busloads of illegal immigrants her way. Lightfoot stated, What he's doing is immoral, unpatriotic, and it defies the values of who we are as Americans. So far, two buses carrying migrants from Texas have arrived in Chicago. About 100 people were on board, including some two dozen children. A statement from Governor Greg Abbott's office said Chicago was added as a drop-off location because of their sanctuary city policy. The Border Patrol is taking another large group of migrants into custody. Agents apprehended 100 suspected illegal immigrants early Tuesday morning as they tried to climb over the fence near Friendship Park in far southern California. There were 79 single adults, 18 family members, and three unaccompanied minors from 12 different countries, including Somalia, Afghanistan, and Brazil. Agents had to call in translators since few of the migrants spoke English or Spanish. U.S. Customs and Border Protection says of the more than 145,000 migrants taken into custody by agents in the San Diego sector so far this fiscal year, more than 44,000 were from countries other than Mexico. California lawmakers voted to allow government workers to hide their home addresses from public records if they fear for their safety. The bill was approved Wednesday night, and it's in response to the country's polarizing politics and pandemic policies that have caused a spike in violent threats made against public employees. The bill is an expansion of an existing state law that already shields the addresses of victims of domestic violence and other crimes. The bill now heads to Governor Gavin Newsom's desk. Republican U.S. Senate candidate Dr. Mehmet Oz's stance on abortion is clear. The Hill reports that during a teletown hall in May, Dr. Oz referred to abortion as murder. He also said he believes life starts at conception. Oz said it doesn't matter at what stage a heart starts beating. If you were to terminate a child, whether their heart's beating or not, it's murder. Senator Lindsey Graham still must testify before a grand jury in Atlanta, but his office is pleased by a judge's ruling on the matter. A statement made reference to limits a judge placed on which questions the South Carolina Republican can be asked in regards to the 2020 election. That includes any questions relating to investigatory fact-finding. However, Graham can be questioned about the public statements he made and any communications with former President Trump's campaign. The grand jury is investigating possible criminal election interference in Georgia involving the 2020 presidential election. There will be one debate between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and challenger Beto O'Rourke. 
Both the Republican Abbott and Democrat O'Rourke have accepted invites for a September 30th debate at University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. O'Rourke is also pushing for four town hall-style debates, but Abbott said he's only interested in the UTRGV event. Polls show Abbott leading O'Rourke by at least five points. After a failed defense attempt for a mistrial, testimony has resumed in the penalty phase of the Parkland, Florida school shooter. Nicholas Cruz's 8th grade language arts teacher knew there was trouble from the start. Carrie Yan says despite receiving special help and extra time, he struggled academically, especially with writing. Jurors also saw many pages of her notes about Cruz and examples of his work on assignments, which included vulgar language, sexual pictures, and swastikas. She remembered reaching out to people in and outside of the school for help with Cruz, but received only limited advice. On the fourth day that the people in Jackson are dealing with a broken water system, the governor of Mississippi is taking action. Tate Reeves announced the launch of seven water distribution sites run by the state. He said these sites will have bottled water, bulk non-potted water, and hand sanitizer. That's after weeks of a boil water notice in effect, with many having no water service at all. The state of Mississippi began operations after President Biden approved the emergency declaration. National Guard vehicles were lining up as of Wednesday, including tankers. Those are going to be used to distribute water inside the city, while the joint operation between federal authorities, the state, and the city all continue working together to make repairs at the water treatment plant. The lawyer for the family of an unarmed black man shot and killed by Columbus police say there's no justification for his death. During a press conference Thursday, Rex Elliott said Donovan Lewis was following the orders of officers when he was shot and killed while trying to get out of bed early Tuesday morning. Body camera video appears to show Lewis was shot while trying to sit up in bed. Police were trying to arrest him for domestic violence, assaults, and improper use of a gun. A student in North Carolina is dead after a stabbing attack at his high school in Jacksonville, north of Wilmington. A spokesperson from the police department said two others, including a teacher, were injured. A student resource officer responded to reports of a fight between students Thursday morning and was able to arrest the attacker. Northside High School sent the students home to return after the long weekend. Police said the attack was an isolated incident with no further threats to the community. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. I'm Nick Idanese with your international news. Mikhail Gorbachev, the former Soviet leader who brought the Cold War to a peaceful end, has died age 91. Mr. Gorbachev took power in 1985 and introduced reforms, as well as opening up the Soviet Union to the world. But he was unable to prevent the slow collapse of the Union, and many Russians blamed him for the years of turmoil that ensued. Outside Russia, he was widely respected, the UN chief saying he had changed the course of history. Mikhail Gorbachev was a one-of-a-kind statesman, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said. The world has lost a towering global leader, committed multilateralist, and tireless advocate for peace. The hospital in Moscow where he died said he had been suffering from a long and serious illness. President Vladimir Putin sent his deepest condolences, describing how Mr. Gorbachev had a huge impact in the course of history. He deeply understood that reforms were necessary. He strove to offer his own solutions to urgent problems, the Russian leader said. The two men had a strained relationship, their last meeting reportedly in 2006. 
Most recently, Mr. Gorbachev was said to have been unhappy with Mr. Putin's decision to invade Ukraine, even though he had supported the annexation of Crimea in 2014. Mr. Gorbachev became General Secretary of the Soviet Communist Party and de facto leader of the country in 1985. At the time, he was 54, the youngest member of the ruling council known as the Politburo, and was seen as a breath of fresh air after several aging leaders. His predecessor, Konstantin Chernyanko, had died aged 73 after just over a year in office. Few leaders have had such a profound effect on the global order, but Mr. Gorbachev did not come to power seeking to end the Soviet grip over Eastern Europe. Rather, he hoped to revitalize its society. Internationally, he reached arm control deals with the U.S., refused to intervene when Eastern European nations rose up against their communist rulers, and ended the bloody Soviet war in Afghanistan that had raged since 1979. Meanwhile, his policy of glasnost or openness allowed people to criticize the government in a way which had been previously unthinkable. But it also unleashed nationalist sentiments in many regions of the country, which eventually undermined the stability of the country and hastened its collapse. In 1991, after a shambolically organized coup by communist hardliners failed, Mr. Gorbachev agreed to dissolve the Soviet Union and left office. What ordinary Russians thought of him was perhaps encapsulated in a Pizza Hut advertisement designed for the the U.S. market that he took part in in 1997. In the ad, diners debate the chaos unleashed or the opportunities created by the end of the union before toasting him. The UN has accused China of serious human rights violations in a long-awaited report into allegations of abuse in Xinjiang province. China has urged the UN not to release the report, with Beijing calling it a farce arranged by Western powers. The report assesses claims of abuse against Uyghur Muslims and other ethnic minorities, which China denies. But investors said they found credible evidence of torture possibly amounting to crimes against humanity. Human rights groups have been sounding the alarm over what is happening in the northwestern province for years, alleging that more than one million Uyghurs had been detained against their will in a large network of what the state calls re-education camps. The BBC's own reporting in recent years has uncovered documentation including police files detailing those in detention, which appear to support the claims, as well as allegations of rape, torture, and forced sterilization. China has always vociferously denied any wrongdoing. However, the UN's report concluded that the extent of arbitrary and discriminatory detention of members of Uyghur and other predominantly Muslim groups may constitute international crimes, in particular crimes against humanity. It also found allegations of patterns of torture or ill treatment, including forced medical treatment and adverse conditions of detention, are credible, as are allegations of individual incidents of sexual and gender-based violence. Credible indications of violations of reproductive rights through the coercive enforcement of family planning policies since 2017. Similarly, there are indications that labor and employment schemes for purported purposes of poverty alleviation and prevention of extremism may involve elements of coercion and discrimination on religious and ethnic grounds. The report recommended that China immediately take steps to release all individuals arbitrarily deprived of their liberty. Beijing has already rejected the findings, with Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin telling reporters the so-called suggestions were pieced together based on disinformation to serve political objectives. The World Uyghur Congress welcomed the report and urged a swift international response. Despite the Chinese government's strenuous denials, the UN has now officially recognized the horrific crimes are occurring. Uyghur Human Rights Project Executive Director Omer Kanat said. That was International News. I'm Nick Idanese. This is the local news, and I am Carly Murray.
President Joe Biden appeared in Philadelphia Thursday night for a primetime speech outside Independence Hall. This speech came two months before the midterm elections and focused on the current state of democracy in America. Parents are outraged after learning that a triple shooting outside of a Philadelphia school left a teenager and two adults wounded. Shots were fired early Wednesday morning in the courtyard of Francis E. Willard Elementary School. The youngest victim was 17 years old and he was critically hurt. There was no disruption to the institution at Willard and police believe there was more than one shooter. A young girl who was abducted in Reading was found safe in New York City Wednesday night. The 13-year-old disappeared from Schuylkill Avenue at 2 a.m. Wednesday morning and was found without shoes on Glenmore Avenue in Brooklyn 15 hours later. 47-year-old Dwayne Taylor was taken into custody as a suspect, according to authorities. There was a rally on Thursday outside of City Hall following another death on Rikers Island. Michael Nieves is the 13th inmate to die at the jail complex so far this year. Reports indicate that at least three guards watched him take his own life. The Legal Aid Society is calling on city officials to immediately release video surveillance surrounding the incident and outline what more they will do to address jail staff's disregard for suicide prevention. The city has put the staff members on leave while it investigates the matter. A federal judge has ruled that New York State can restrict people from concealing and carrying guns in public under a new law that national firearm associations challenged. Northern District of New York Judge Glenn Sudeby on Wednesday dismissed a motion for an injunction to block the law from taking effect on Thursday. The law that New York's legislature passed in July requires people who apply for a concealed carry permit to go through 16 hours of classroom training and two hours of live fire exercises. The Gun Owners of America and the Gun Owners Foundation, which challenged the law, are expected to appeal Wednesday's ruling. A Manhattan man is facing assault charges in a pair of random separate stabbings in the Hell's Kitchen area. Police believe 33-year-old Nicholas O'Keefe allegedly stabbed a man in the back around 7.30 Wednesday night on West 50th Street near 9th Avenue. About a half hour later, he allegedly slashed a woman in the chest on 47th Street near 10th Avenue. Both victims are in stable condition. Police say the stabbings appear to be unprovoked and the suspect didn't make any statements to his victims before or after. Off-duty pilots are planning to picket at JFK Airport and roughly a dozen other airports across the country amid recent airline delays and cancellations. The Airline Pilots Association asked its members to hit the picket line ahead of the busy Labor Day travel weekend. Two months ago, Delta pilots demonstrated in front of JFK demanding better pay and scheduling. More than 6 million people are set to travel across the tri-state area over the holiday weekend and nearly 2 million of them will pass through airports. A man from New Jersey was set to plead guilty on Thursday in federal court for allegedly assaulting U.S. Capitol officers with chemical spray on January 6, 2021. One of the officers that was sprayed, Brian Sicknick, died the next day. He was also a New Jersey native. Five children were bitten by a fox in a playground in near residences around Lakewood on Tuesday. No serious injuries were reported and the children were examined at area hospitals. I am Carly Murray, and that was the local news for the tri-state area. I'm Sam Deshujis with your Rowan News. Rowan University President Ali A. Hushmond has been named the most influential higher education leader in New Jersey by ROINJ, one of the state's leading business publications. In their profile of Dr. Hushmond, ROINJ said that in his tenure as Rowan's president, he, quote, has essentially transformed every aspect and facet of the campus, but the fact that he has done so while disrupting a higher education sector that needed disrupting separates Hushmond from his peers and shows his total impact. Simply put, Rowan's transformation under Hushman's leadership is a model for the state and the nation, end quote. 
In recognizing Hushmund, the publication notes the university's extraordinary accomplishments during its tenure, including Rowan's two medical schools and its partnership with Virtua Health, and the state's first veterinary school coming within the next few years. ROINJ has also recognized additional leaders at Rowan for their influence. Listed among the top 25 most influential deans and directors are Ben Dworkin, founding director of the Rowan Institute for Public Policy and Citizenship, Ken Lacavera, founding dean of the School of Earth and Environment, and Annette Raboli, dean of Cooper Medical School of Rowan University. Additionally, Eric Liguori of the School of Innovation and Entrepreneurship in the Rohr College of Business is named a top higher educator influencer in the area of entrepreneurship. Dr. Liguori was also recognized this week by the Global Entrepreneurship Network, which supports and encourages business ownership programs in more than 170 countries. They named Dr. Liguori the New Jersey coordinator of their Global Entrepreneurship Week, GEW, which will take place November 14th to November 20th this year. The week-long event will follow four themes, ecosystems, education, inclusion, and policy, with programming built around them. Dr. Liguori will lead Garden State programming for GEW, which will feature some 35,000 activities worldwide. He said of the event, quote, small businesses continue to be the lead driver of employment and the clearest pathway to upward mobility. To achieve the greatest results, innovators need a supportive, inclusive ecosystem in which highly motivated entrepreneurs can thrive, and that's what GEW is about, end quote. Liguori noted that over the past six years, more than 6,000 Rowan students have taken an entrepreneurship course and that hundreds of high school students have enrolled in the College of Business's popular Think Like an Entrepreneur Summer Academy, which this year awarded its 1,000th free college credit. I'm Sam DeTugis, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team. This is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from around the professional sports world. Starting with the NFL, let's get into the latest from around the league with the 2022 season approaching quickly on September 8th. Starting with the bad news, let's talk about the Matt Ariza situation. The former San Diego State punter who quickly adopted the nickname quote-unquote punt god during his time in college has been released from the Buffalo Bills before ever stepping foot into a regular season game. It was first reported by ESPN's Adam Schefter that Ariza is facing a gang rape lawsuit of a 17-year-old girl that was submitted last Thursday, August 25th. The sexual assault was said to have occurred during Ariza's time at San Diego State and also involves former college teammates Xavier Leonard, Nolan Iwaliku, and, quote, at least one other man, end quote, according to the lawsuit. The Buffalo Bills, who recently selected Ariza in the sixth round of the 2022 NFL Draft, released him Saturday, August 27th, just two days after the suit was originally filed. Bills general manager Brandon Bean released a statement stating, quote, This afternoon, we decided that releasing Matt Ariza was the best thing to do. Our culture in Buffalo is more important than winning football games, end quote. GM Brandon Bean also went on to add, quote, We don't know what happened. We just tried to do what's right. In my heart of hearts, I can lay my head down at night knowing I tried to do it right, end quote. This quote was interesting to see coming from Bean considering it was reported after the suit was filed that the Bills, along with a handful of other NFL teams, were aware of Ariza's pending allegations at the time of the 2022 draft. Moving on to brighter news, there are some notable transactions to report about following the 53-man roster deadline Tuesday at 4 p.m. 
starting with the local Philadelphia Eagles. Former 2020 first-round draft pick wide receiver Jalen Rager was dealt to the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for a 2023 seventh-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. With this move, Rager joins the receiver all Philadelphia fans wanted in 2020 with Rager's pick, former LSU product Justin Jefferson. Quickly rounding off more notable news, veteran wide receiver Josh Gordon was released from the Kansas City Chiefs and signed by the Tennessee Titans. Former third-round Vikings pick quarterback Kellen Mond was cut from Minnesota and signed by the Browns as their third-string quarterback. Sony Michelle leaves the Dolphins and joins the Chargers after being cut by Miami. And last but certainly not least, for the time being, Jimmy G will remain a San Francisco 49er. The veteran QB signed a one-year, $6.5 million guaranteed deal with the team to act as the back up quarterback to Trey Lance. This deal that includes roughly $9.5 million in possible incentives and roster bonuses makes Garoppolo the highest paid active backup quarterback in the NFL and gives the 49ers a luxury on their quarterback depth chart for the time being. Once again, this has been Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from around the professional sports world. with your Roan Report business update. Consumer confidence is on the rise in August. The Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index gained nearly eight points after falling for three straight months. The board's Lynn Franco noted that easing gas prices helped boost the short-term outlook for many Americans. He also noted purchasing intentions for cars, homes, and major appliances all increased after a July pullback. Looking ahead, Franco said inflation and additional interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve pose risks to economic growth. Disney is looking into a membership program for its customers. Brian Shook has the details. The program would be similar to Amazon Prime, with customers getting advantages like discounts or special perks to encourage them to spend more on Disney streaming, theme parks, and merchandise. Discussions about the program, including costs, are still in the early stages. Disney has studied Amazon Prime and others like Apple One that bundle many services together to better understand how to incentivize customers to spend more. I'm Brian Shook. Mortgage demand is on the decline as rates are on the rise. The Mortgage Bankers Association says total application volume fell by 3.7% last week. That comes as the average rate in a 30-year mortgage rose to 5.8%. A top MBA official described mortgage rates as volatile lately. New York City is receiving money from the state to set up four addiction prevention coalitions. A total of $1.8 million will help create teams that better engage vulnerable populations with environmental change and prevention measures. Four organizations will receive $450,000 over the next three years to establish a coalition. Another $500,000 will go towards pilot programs aimed at ramping up transportation for upstate residents who are actively going through addiction recovery. I am Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Colon. Madonna is now the first female artist to have a top 10 album in five different decades. The Queen of Pop achieved the milestone when her remix compilation of Finally Enough Love debuted in 8th place on Billboard's September 3rd chart. It's also her 23rd album to reach the top 10 in the U.S. and the first remix album to do so in nearly 8 years. Madonna's first top 10 album came with her self-titled debut in 1984. Demi Lovato is logging her 8th consecutive top 10 album. 
their first album since 2021's Dancing with the Devil, Lovato's 16-track project landed at number 7. The rock and pop-punk album features songs that range in subject matter from calling out an ex to celebrating her sobriety. Britney Spears is sharing details about the conservatorship that controlled her life for 13 years. In a 22-minute audio clip posted to YouTube, the pop star said she was scared and broken during that time. The conservatorship was ended by a judge in Los Angeles last November. Spears says she feels victimized after her experience and the best way to heal her wounds is to speak about what happened. Michael Jackson's estate is scoring a big legal win after a judge barred the sale of alleged stolen items. TMZ reports Jackson's estate alleges Jeffrey Phillips took the items from the King of Pops residence in 2009. Phillips was reportedly engaged to one of Jackson's siblings and used the chaos around his death to take private property from the home. He reportedly took Jackson's iPhone, driver's license, prescription bill bottles, and clothes. David Bowie is going to be honored on London's Music Walk of Fame. Bowie will get a stone in his name etched into the pavement in the English capital. The ceremony will go down on September 15th. Bowie died in 2016 and would have celebrated his 75th birthday this year. Ozzy Osbourne is opening up about his recent health issues, saying that he was in agony. The rocker underwent surgery this year to remove two metal plates that had been screwed into his spine following him falling down in January 2019. Ozzy says he's been doing a lot better and fans haven't seen the last of him yet. His new album, Patient No. 9, is out on September 9th. South Korea says it may conduct a public poll on possible exemptions for military service for members of the K-pop boy band BTS. Band member Jin, the oldest of the group at age 30, faces mandatory enlistment in December. South Korea's defense minister said he ordered officials to implement the survey quickly, but the ministry later clarified they are determining if such a survey is needed. He also said the defense ministry would take a look at other factors like BTS's economic impact and overall national interests. I'm Karina Clone, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM.